Welcome to Do the Right Film. My name's Thomas. And I am Harvey. Yeah, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're coming at you with a review of Toy Story 4. There's four of these fucking things now? Yeah, they're, they're getting up there. Um, yeah, as well as some stuff we watched during the week. Uh, we don't have a topic this week. Instead, we're going to be filming a portion of our show. Um, so if you uh, maybe if you don't have time to listen to the second half of the show, you can catch it on YouTube after this. That'll be our Toy Story 4 review. So look out for that. If we sound a little bit different, it's because we're we're in a new environment, new audio equipment. New audience. New audience, yeah. We have a cat watching us as well as a camera. Two that's cats and less Steve. Oh, yeah. There's no Steve here today. Yeah, Steve's at work right now. Um, we're both kind of unemployed. <laughs> yeah. I, I My work is slowing down quite a bit. I'm not really doing much. Um, so here we both are on a Monday. <laughs> it's not even six o'clock yet. No, it's weird. It's a weird feeling. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, how was your week? How was your your job hunting and endeavors? And it's not bad. Um, I've just been uh, doing the same thing. <laughs> the same thing. Yeah, applying to jobs, uh, interviewing at jobs, walking around. Um. Living a a traveler's lifestyle. I don't know. It feels like I'm just a. I don't know. It, it's when you're not defined by uh by working eight hours a day. It it makes you feel different. Yeah, for sure. Um, I had an interview at Steve's job today, which was interesting. <laughs> I saw him back there in his little closet office. <laughs> he was like tinkering with stuff. Was he being worthless? It looked like he was pretty worthless. Yeah. Um, he was probably just looking at YouTube or something. The dream. The dream. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you, when you don't have that 9 to 5, you kind of feel like this weird focus of who you are. It's, like, hard to explain, but you, you definitely feel, like, self more self-aware of everything, I feel like. Yeah. I feel like everyone's aware of me. Aware of me not working. Like looking at people but they're also they're also out and about too yeah yeah so yeah I'm like i don't know i mean sometimes i wonder about that is it like uh is it just like uh people work at like nighttime maybe i don't know i mean it's new york so there's probably a lot of nighttime retail yeah. and I, yeah restaurant I, jobs but. i've thought about this a lot too i've sort of adopted that personality or that uh persona yeah oh even i work at I'm night not, <laughs> i'm not working at night <laughs> i see you people looking at me and then i'm like I'm imagining them judging me in my head. I'm like, no, no, it's good. I work at night. It's, it's fine. I work at a, a, <laughs> a restaurant. Yeah. How about your week? Uh, my week's pretty good. Um, yeah, work just slowed down a little bit for me. And then, I don't know. I, I've just been kind of looking forward to Japan a little bit, planning that out. Must be nice. Well, I'm getting worried. I'm getting worried at this point because, <laughs> you know, I only have like the plane tickets bought and like an Airbnb booked, and then I I have to save like the rest of the money. Yeah, I feel like that'll be easy. We'll see, we'll see. You know, rent, New York stuff like that. I mean, if anything, you'll be spending less money while you're there if you got all the big stuff out the way, right? Well, I mean, you still spend a lot on just living and eating, you know. And I don't want it to be too cheap of a trip. I don't want to go there and have to like eat like Japanese fast food the entire time. So I want a, I want a, a decent little chunk of change to enjoy myself with while I'm over there. But 
Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm start looking for work a little bit more. Uh, been playing some video games still. I even watched an anime, which I'll talk about later. Like a TV show or no a movie? Oh god, I've become Steve. Sounds exciting. Yeah, it's just it's the Japan syndrome, man. I, I kind of just want to, you know, remember the culture and know what it's like there because I haven't been in so long. Gotcha. So you watched an anime? Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, that's about it. You, you want to talk movies? We got movies to watch. We can do that. Um, I'm kind of bummed that Steve isn't here actually because I was really excited to hear about the abyss. Um, yeah, he's a jerk. It's weird because I, I mentioned last week I signed up for Cinemax accidentally, and uh, today Cinemax apparently does a has a live feature on Fire TV, so they also feature like live shows daily or live uh, movies. Oh, nice! And the abyss was playing today, and I caught like half of it. <laughs> On Cinemax just, Live. Really? The, the Abyss yeah. just came on? Yeah, it was on Cinemax Live today. Steve could have watched it. He didn't have a job. Yeah. He missed out. He fucked up. All right. Well, did you watch anything? I watched a few things. Uh, Quite a few things. Right. I watched uh, The Dead Don't Die. Oh, this is the new uh, Jarmusch Yeah, it's a movie? Jim Jarmusch zombie movie. It, uh stars uh bill murray adam driver tom waits chloe savini it's a bunch of people in this actually steve buscemi danny glover uh i'm not sure this i'm not sure how to pronounce this lady's name i think it's esther balint but she she was the she was a love interest in a season of louis she didn't speak english i think she spoke polish or something like that oh uh, oh yeah, yeah i remember that episode yeah yeah it was like a it was like a few episodes and it was a really interesting uh dynamic in the relationship i i kind of liked it and i liked i liked her in it a lot so it was cool to see her in this uh riz is also in this tilda swinton a ton of people cable landry jones rosie perez it's a star the most star-studded zombie cast i've ever seen Damn. which i think is also in jim jarmusch's style i guess i'll explain later in a small peaceful town the zombies suddenly rise to terrorize the town now three bespectacled police officers and a strange Scottish morgue expert must band together to defeat the undead. Um, I think the best place to start. Um, I, be, I believe the town is called Middlesville. I'm not exactly sure of the state, but it's a very, it's a very campy sounding name. It's Middlesville, USA, essentially is what it's what's on the, uh, the, the the sign as you enter the town. Um, we open with Bill Murray and Adam Driver. They're patrolling the neighborhood. Uh, just really talking, having a, having a mundane conversation, also in very Jarmusch style. And they notice that the sun hasn't gone down yet, and it's about 8 o'clock at night. So they they start to speculate as to what's going on. And through news reports and radio reports, we learn that there is some fracking going on in the North Pole or the South Pole, maybe both, but there's some fracking going on and it's tilting the earth off of its axis, essentially. And it's causing days to be longer, nights to be longer, days to be shorter, that sort of thing. It's it's completely messing up the it's completely messing up the the, the day and night cycles and it and it's causing a 
problems all across the world and uh, bigger problems as zombies begin to emerge as a result of this fracking and this uh, this this axis uh, change. Um, so it, we follow Bill Murray and Adam Driver's characters um, as they try to sort of figure out what's happening in their town and it's all very um very like referential to to zombie movies of course and horror movies in general but it also has like a jarmuth spin on it because it's very meta at the same time within the first five minutes of anything happening adam driver states like this isn't going to end well and he says that multiple times throughout the movie and it's it's kind of funny and um at the first sign of of danger which is these two people being mauled in a diner uh they they start to speculate on on what's happened and some of them are like maybe it was a, a wild animal maybe several wild animals uh, and several people say this over and over again uh, as they see as they overlook the crime scene it's pretty funny and and um just a nod to all those other ridiculous horror movies um but Adam Driver immediately says, yeah, it's probably zombies. I mean, if I'm honest. And <laughs> um, I think the entire movie sort of um, en- encapsulate that, encapsulates that style of humor, and especially meta humor. Um, there's, a, there's a lot to like about this, I think, if you're, if you're a Jarmusch fan specifically. Um, I think when I think about movies that have used zombie zombies in the past specifically like night of the living dead like the first uh popular zombie movie by george romero um i think he definitely used zombies as a sort of a political commentary and political and social commentary on what was happening at the time there's a lot of um racial injustice and fights over equality as well as the vietnam war happening and these hordes of 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 zombies sort of represent not only those dissenting opinions of of people but also the 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 liberal ideas at the time that was sort of uh lost lost in the ether ether and just wandering around in those ideas and opinions that that were just flooding flooding the world and flooding the u.s at the time and 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 trying to work towards a social and political change and i think there's a lot of this a lot of that in in this as well a lot of the zombies they remember aspects of their lives but specific very specific uh acts of their lives like this one zombie couple comes back and they're just obsessed with well not necessarily obsessed but they they walk into the diner and they and they immediately go for the coffee and they're just saying coffee and coffee over again. And there's some zombies that are just walking around on their phones and they're just saying <laughs> Facebook and Pinterest all day. And I think that it's definitely a commentary on potentially where we're at as a uh, as a culture and uh, as a society. But um, I, th- I think there's also quite a bit of um, obviously. Um, the political climate and 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 social change that we're finding ourselves in and um i think that sometimes he can be a bit heavy-handed with that but i also think that was sort of in his style but i don't think it'll work for 
a, a large audience overall. Um, but it was really interesting to see. Um, I think that it, it, it lulls a bit, a bit for me. Um, it, it slows down at some points and it, it takes a very long time to pick back up. But again, if you're going into a, a Jarmusch uh, zombie film, I guess, I don't know what else you can expect, but uh, yeah, oh. I don't, I don't know what to expect in a Jarmusch yeah. zombie film, to be uh, honest with you. Yeah. I, yeah. It, 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 I mean, it's pretty much any other Jarmusch movie, but with zombies, <laughs> um, I think a lot of people were probably expecting like Shaun of the Dead or something, something with over-the-top humor or probably like, slapstick humor. Or warm bodies or something. Yeah, but yeah, it's not like that at all. It's very different, I would say, from um, any other movie, any other zombie movie that I've seen. Mm-hmm. But it's also very familiar at the same time. And I think in some ways it is derivative in terms of themes. But it is a very unusual movie overall. And... Um, I don't know. I think I could recommend it to to you guys and to people that are definitely the known Jarmusch fans and just fans of of movies. But um, I don't think this would work for a wide audience. Um, but I would say that I got something out of it. I enjoyed it for the most part. I would give it probably a a three and a half out of five. A light three and a half out of five. All um, right. Is this in theaters? Do you see this in theaters? I did see this in theaters, and I I would say that I was I kind of screwed up <laughs> because it was uh I went to see it at Angelica, but it was actually playing at AMC, which I didn't realize. Ooh man, so, you had to pay that yeah. money. Yeah, and, and in this economy, I, I could have seen Last Black Man in San Francisco at Angelica instead, and then used your free yeah, movie for. I wish that was the move I had made, but yeah, I, I kind of dropped the ball on this one, but. Mm. Eh, you live and you learn. Yeah, AMC. Uh, sometimes I miss Movie Pass for the variety. Um, but today I went and saw the movie, and uh, they gave me ten bucks when I went to buy concessions. So oh, I was yeah? like, you know what? It's not too bad. Yeah, not too bad. That is true. I've only scanned that thing like three times too. Like I, I don't scan it every time I go. I always forget. Yeah, you got to rack up those points. I yeah, for sure. But even so, like I've racked up that many points after like three or four times of scanning it. Maybe yeah. pretty good. Uh, yeah. Anything else you watch? Yeah, I did. You want me to just uh, keep going through? Yeah, I mean, I have one movie, so I mean, if you want to keep going, I think I have one more. Uh, I saw a late night as well. Uh, <laughs> wait, what is this? Uh. Late night, it stars Mindy Kaling, Emma Thompson, John Lithgow, uh, a few other people, Amy Ryan. Uh, it was directed by Nisha Ganatra. Legendary late night talk show host world. I'm sorry. Legend- legendary late night talk show host world is. Why does it start off like that? Why doesn't it say a legendary late night shock? Yeah, whatever. Legendary late night talk show host world is turned upside down when she hires her only female staff writer. Originally intended to smooth over diversity concerns, her decision has unexpectedly hilarious consequences as the two women separated by culture and generation are united by their love of a biting punchline. Uh, yeah. Like I mentioned, it uh, stars Emma Thompson, Mindy Kaling, um, John Lithgow, a few other nice folks. Uh, Paul Walter Hauser. I've seen this guy in a few things so far. and uh, That sounds familiar. <laughs> 
He was in uh, Black Klansman. He was also in uh, I, Tonya. Oh, he's guy. a fat guy. <laughs> he's a dumb fat guy. Yeah, the dumb fat guy. In both movies. Yeah, he's, he's killing it lately. And, yeah. Uh, he plays a similar character in this, a bit more intelligent, but he is very fat and Pid- stupid. Pigeonholed, <laughs> man. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, Catherine Newberry, played by Emma Thompson, she is a late-night talk show host and also the first female late-night talk show host, um, or at least of The Tonight Show. They don't really say it's The Tonight Show, but it is The Tonight Show on NBC, and she is a legend. She's won, like, 30-something Emmys, um, and in recent years, her, her, her her viewer ratings have waned, and people are saying that she's sort of washed up and that she's and that she's old and and out, and out of touch and they begin to urge her to hire a female writer to sort of not only lively liven things up but to sort of change up the writer's room it's primarily white men that are writing for the tv show and they think that it could just use a bit more spice and in comes uh the young indian woman molly patel played by mindy kaling she is mm-hmm. working at a at a factory Although, um, when people say that she worked at a factory, she quickly uh, corrects them and tells them that it was a chemical plant. And she was a quality assurance uh, uh, associate or something like that. Um, And she wins a writing contest, essentially, and she's she's granted a interview or a I believe she's granted an interview or something like that with with uh, a CEO or or someone um within within their corporate structure and it turns out that the uh ceo of her company is actually the ceo of the mother company of the mother company that owns the television station or the the television network and that's how she actually gets an interview for a writing position on the tonight show um because she is the only female writer that applies she gets the job despite having no writing experience and there, from there, we kick off this uh, this very love hate relationship between her and Catherine Newberry. Uh, Catherine is described as a as a woman hater to a degree, and a a, a very old and and bitter um, bitter woman. Although, uh, while while getting to know her uh, throughout this throughout the development of the re- relationship, we just discover that she's actually. Uh, a perfectionist that, that, that demands nothing less of the people around her and um, I would say that this movie attempts to do a few things differently I think first off the I suppose the idea of a, of a of a of a woman hosting the tonight show and being hugely successful is something that we have we still haven't got to and 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 in our actual reality so the idea of it is quite different however i think the approach the approach and execution in this are a bit off um the entire relationship hinges upon uh catherine's character being just utterly evil and cold and distant and that's where a lot of the comedy lies also but i think that's kind of a that's kind of a cliche and it's i think it's kind of a cliche that doesn't really align with with the forward thinking values that the rest of this film film claims to have 
So it's like a really strange way to frame a character and frame a relationship of mm-hmm. of a woman as a woman hater. It, it it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, and I'm not really sure why they why they went with that approach. They don't like them white women, man. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a it was a really weird thing to do. Um, I think it does have a lot of potential, though. I think uh, I think Emma Thompson is really great in this role. She she gives a pretty solid performance for the most part, and I think that the the comedy elements where she, she there's actually a, uh, bits where she where she does stand up, and and there's a, of course uh, moments in the television show where we see the live taping of it. I think that she's very charismatic in the role. Uh, the comedy is okay. If I'm honest, I think it would have been much more Im- interesting to see like Ellen do do a role like this. I think that would have been very cool to see because uh, Ellen, I think, is just very naturally funny and she knows comedy. Um, she she may not be a better actress than than Emma Thompson, but I think in terms of comedy, I think she would have definitely brought brought a stronger uh, sense of comedic timing and and presence to it. But I think Emma Thompson is is fine for the role, um, but. Yeah, I think the the downfalls are in what what I mentioned before surrounding her character. Um, Mindy Kaling is there, and that's about all I can say for that. I don't think she's a particularly strong character. She is uh, sweet at times for sure, but I don't think, uh, in terms of comedic va- value and in inter- 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 entertainment sense, that she is really, really uh, holding holding down the. the the movie in any degree and, and and that was a shame to see i'm not really sure if i've seen many kaling in a leading role before uh, this is probably the first that i can remember but never watched her show yeah i didn't see him yeah i didn't see much of her show either yeah, um, but in terms of like a feature film or anything i can't recall really seeing her in a leading role and i think that i don't know if the problem lied with with her performance or with her character um, but I, I never really came to really care for her character, uh, in any degree. Um, what else? I don't, I don't really know what else to say about this, if I'm honest. I think it, it, it works in for a feel good, uh, a feel good dramedy for the most part, but, um, it is very, very safe and it has a lot of, um, innocuous, feel good humor for the most part but i don't think it really does anything extraordinary it doesn't do anything new nothing that really surpasses that that overarching idea um i think i'd probably give it a probably a three out of five um i think they could have done so much more with this and um honestly from the trailer i was expecting something to be a bit funnier a bit um a bit more offensive a bit more risk-taking but yeah, I don't think we really got that. So um, yeah, this doesn't look like something that interested me when I saw the trailer. Now, yeah, now I remember the trailer. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it probably had the best jokes in the trailer, if I'm honest. And um, I think those were 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 what excited me about this. But um, it doesn't have a whole lot of, of uh, comedic value outside of that, if I'm honest um and entertaining uh from an entertainment sense or a story sense i don't think it's as uh exciting or 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 compelling maybe a man should have wrote it <laughs> i mean just I kidding would, ladies 
I think a man did write it, right? No, I don't know. Actually, Mindy Kaling wrote it. No, yeah, sorry. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes you lose some. I think that um, it could have probably benefited from from a uh, just a riskier mm-hmm. a riskier screenplay. Um, yeah, it, it's it's just too safe. Yeah. All right. Well, you're doing the Lord's work. Is this another movie? This is new, right? Like, yeah, came out last week. I damn, think. AMC is just like they're watching you, bro. Watching me? Yeah. How so? I don't know, man. You're using the service a little too much. I don't know if we could allow that. I'm like trying to get my money's worth, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, don't I, have a whole I, lot I wish I was getting. I mean, I, I think no matter what, if you see one a week, you're getting your money's worth. But the thing is, like. I've only been seeing one a week because of just shit. So, yeah, I mean, I I do need to. I don't know. A couple of Shia movies are coming out this fall. I, I saw the trailer. Have you seen the trailer for Peanut Butter Falcon? <laughs> I don't think so, dude. You gotta watch Peanut that as soon Falcon. as we're done recording. Uh, just to give you a, a teaser, Shia LaBeouf has a friendship with a dude with Down syndrome in the countryside. I mean. Peanut butter falcon. I mean, and the kid really likes backyard wrestling. I mean, can can <laughs> somebody just make a movie for me like that? Is that legal? The name alone is very good. Yeah, I saw a trailer for an Aquafina movie that I'm very excited for. Which one is it's that? called? The Farewell. Oh yeah, I heard about this. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. But um, yeah, it looks like uh, it looks like there's um some some sunlight in the horizon. I've seen a few good trailers, and I'm super excited to get out of this summer. Yeah, this summer is getting exhausting. I, I when we went over the blockbuster episode, I was like, ah, I guess it's not too bad, you know, some cool stuff here. But now I'm just like, after John Wick, I'm just like, you know what? I'm done. I'm fucking done. Yeah, I've sort of checked out. It's, um, uh, it's getting exhausting. I haven't been excited to talk about anything in a while. Yeah. The fucking uh, the Lion King's coming soon, man. Huh. All right. Well, I have a movie. Are you? Do you have any more? No, that was it for me. So forgive me. I watched, I watched the movie that Steve just watched. Um, I don't think Steve did it uh, like a justice, like explaining it. I guess I don't know. I feel like I didn't really understand the allure of it, but maybe he wanted it that way. Maybe he wanted the mystery. Um, but I watched Your Name. It's a Japanese anime film that literally everyone's been telling me to watch. So I was like, fine, you motherfuckers. I'll watch this movie. I was like, you know what? I'm going to Japan soon. I made sure to watch it hard subbed, you know? None of that fucking dub stuff. So get some of my Japanese language practice in. Not that that really helps, but yeah. So synopsis for your name, uh, I don't know if Steve read it or not, but two strangers find themselves linked in a bizarre way, and when a connection forms, will distance be the only thing to keep them apart? Um, yeah, it's written and directed by Makoto Shinkai, and he also wrote the novel for this that it's based on. So he wrote the novel, the screenplay, and then directed the film. So that's pretty impressive, pretty impressive. He obviously knew what he wanted, and he wanted to bring it to life, so he did. So first off, you meet these characters. You have, uh, her name's uh, Mitsuha and uh, Taki. Taki lives in Tokyo. He's a, 
he's a city boy, right? He he lives the city life. He, he's very accustomed to just like a casual lifestyle with his family. You know, his dad, you know, and him just kind of hang out, eat breakfast, and then he goes to his city school and lives the city life and works at a big city restaurant. Uh, on the other hand, you have Mitsuha. She is a trapped girl in a very small town with tons of tradition. Her dad's like a local politician and she's just like her, she's like a representative at the the Shinto shrine. So she's got a lot of pressure on her. She hates the town. She wants to leave. She dreams of going to like a big city. Uh and then what ensues is you get some of this this freaky Friday uh business that Steve got into where it's they essentially find themselves connected in a way and they switch bodies, but it's random when they switch. They're not, they're not a hundred percent switched all the time. They're actually just like kind of randomly switching and they're trying to balance each other's lives and like try not to ruin each other's lives. But some things happens, some things involving nature happen as well. Um, and these two, go on this ridiculously crazy story about <laughs> I can't I can't give it away cuz it's a spoiler but uh it's a very touching movie um y- you get kind of this empty feeling when when the characters find things out and and it's just like pure japanese anime or japanese like storytelling where they they try to hit you with some of the hardest blows ever not like uh shocking like I feel like american cinema would be more like someone's dog would die or some shit and that i feel like that's a shocking thing uh but this is different this is more of just like a a emotionally like way to grieve and and whatnot but um yeah the the characters are, are very anime like i wouldn't say that this movie did anything different for me as far as like anime goes it does feel very similar to other anime movies i've watched like the girl who left through time um, but it is effective and it does start to really grip you, I think. And even if you don't like anime, I think you can, you can get something out of it. One of the reasons why I don't like watching a lot of anime is because it's just so, I don't know. I love Japanese culture, but I like the real culture and a lot of the anime that's popular, like, I don't know, it like Naruto or what, what do kids watch these days? <laughs> I don't know if they watch uh, but that stuff is, is more based in fantasy and imagination. And what I like about this movie is it's it's very rooted in Japanese culture. And you feel like you're in Japan. And the animation is beautiful. And it, it has like some of that animation where some of the backgrounds look almost like 3D rendered. And the, the characters are 2D. It's kind of similar to that. Um... But yeah, the, the culture is very rich. It feels like you're in Japan. It's atmospheric. Um, there's like Japanese like language quirks that like I noticed that were very interesting. And I was like, how are they going to do that in English? Uh, like for instance, there's this scene where the, they switch place and she uses like the female version of I and they look at her weird. But in English, we don't have a female version for I. So I don't know what the dubbed one would have said there. Um, curious i almost want to go track down the dubbed one and and see it but uh yeah overall um i almost shed a tear it's very touching even though it starts like a 
typical anime. Um, and it's full of montages. It's full of like, like anime pop punk rock montages. But I, they're they're really charming, and I and I think it's it's a fun watch, and I'd recommend it. I don't know if I loved it as much as Steve, but I, I did really, really like it. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to go to Japan, man. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Just seeing Tokyo in animated form. Maybe you'll switch places with some... Uh, some Japanese girl. Yeah. <laughs> Tomasu? Tomas-kun? She lives, she lives in Brooklyn. Imagine how freaked out she would be. Yeah. <laughs> she looks out my window and there's two crackheads fighting. She's think she's in a nightmare yeah <laughs> speaking of that there's two crack it's funny there was a fight out here like two nights ago oh yeah yeah i've also seen some guy getting arrested on the corner right here so we're recording at my place and my place is like on the corner at the street level like my windows are like level with the street so you just see all this shit at danger level yeah um <laughs> but weirdly like the people who live above me are pretty yuppie they own the house. The people next door are even more yuppie. Oh yeah. Um, I guess I guess these are the ones gentrifying the place, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's not true though, because they, the the yuppies, live upstairs, but they rent it to black people downstairs, mm-hmm. like Brooklyn locals. But I was like really concerned one time when she was having the two children who live there, the two black children doing like work for her <laughs> work for her yeah they, i think they were like painting her steps or something for free i don't know i hope there was money involved <laughs> I hope there was money involved too i don't know it made me feel uneasy she's they're like get out kind of white people it freaks me out <laughs> um but yeah that's about it for me they like green book i don't know i should ask them <laughs> green book which is such a powerful story for who? The white guy? Yeah. Um all right, cool. Let's uh let's get into uh Toy Story four. I almost said Toy Story two because I didn't realize how many there were. Uh maybe I'll put a clip right here. Yeah, you can do that. Everyone, Bonnie made a friend in class. Oh, she's already making friends. No, no, she literally made a new friend. I want you to meet Forky. Uh-huh. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. He's a spork. Yes, yeah, I know. The newest installment in the Toy Story cinematic universe. Is it a universe? I mean, it's got it's a universe, right? It could be. Yeah, yeah. they're gonna meld them together, Monsters Inc. And let's let's talk Toy Story four. So Toy Story four is a Pixar movie. It is a Pixar movie. Yep. Um, it's directed by. Does uh, the same guy do all of them? No, I no, think no. John Lasseter did the first two. Uh, well, he he uh, did the original story for that. Um, I think he directed the first two, and then someone did the third one. Yeah. So this one is directed by Josh Cooley. Um, he has done some other. Wait, nope, he's not. He's done voice <laughs> acting. I was. I thought he directed Inside Out, but no, he plays a character. Yeah. Um, that is weird. He's probably done the story for a few of those. Um, sometimes the sometimes they're like. Uh, Sometimes they voice act too. He wrote. Um, I think John. He wrote Inside Out. Yeah. He wrote Inside Out, but he's only directed this. Like Riley's first date is probably a short. Yeah, he did some Pixar shorts. It looks like. So it's starring your boy Woody, uh, who's played by uh, Tom Hanks. 
Tim Allen, which is, I guess this is all he does now. <laughs> I mean, he just yeah. waits for Toy Story 5. He's been fired from everything else. Yeah. Uh, we have Andy Potts. Uh, we have Tom Hale. But he, he plays Forky, if anybody's interested. Uh, Keegan-Michael Key. And, wait. Jordan Peele. Jordan, yeah, and Jordan Peele are together in this film. As uh, it was a motorcycle going by. As two characters. And we also have Keanu Reeves. Did you know that? Yeah, Duke Boom. I didn't know that. I just yeah. found that out. Really. <laughs> like, how the fuck was I supposed to know that? It doesn't sound like him at all. I mean, it kind of did. I mean, not if you're not thinking about it. Um, yeah, that's I incredible. I didn't know that. Yeah. Keanu Reeves is making a comeback, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the synopsis for this one is uh, when a new toy called Forky joins Woody and the gang. A road trip alongside old and new friends reveals how big the world can be for a toy. Um, what did you think of, of this one? I, I'm i trying to recall the story of Toy Story 3. Yeah, I was trying to think about it too. Um, I thought about watching it, but I didn't get around to it because yeah. um, I got a very busy life. Uh, so it's like nine years in the future. Yeah, thinking. but essentially we pick off pick up where we uh, left off in the third one. Uh, Buzz and Woody and the rest of the gang are now property of Bonnie. Um, the I, sniveling little shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I believe they were gifted to Bonnie by Andy. Um, Is there a relation there? Does Andy know Bonnie? Or I don't believe so. I I'm, can't remember. Yeah, I can't exactly remember what happened. It could have been a yard sale. It could have been some sort of situation like that. But yeah. I remember him actually delivering uh, like at least Woody and Buzz to her or something like that because there was like a touching moment. But, yeah, we sort of pick up. Uh, they're now in the property of – they're now the property of Bonnie. Bonnie is about five years old. She's about to start kindergarten. Things are more or less the same, but – there are th things are changing for several toys in the group, specifically Woody. Woody isn't uh, he isn't being played with as much as he used to be. He is seeing his position as the favorite toy sort of slip. This is obviously discouraging, but I think that Woody has sort of a surprisingly good grip on life for a toy. For <laughs> for a sentence, he's toy. he's going through a, a toy life crisis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's uh, fuck. I, Almost had a good joke for it. Uh, Almost shelf life crisis. Shelf shelf, shelf shelf life. life? <laughs> I don't know, but he yeah he's not being played with it as much, and this is discouraging. But he he knows his place is is insert. He he knows that his place is beside his his kid, and he knows that he is in this world to provide happiness and comfort for his kid. And he takes great pride in that. And after she creates a new toy out of a fork called Forky on her first day of kindergarten, he decides that it's his duty to make sure that Forky understands that his place is uh, uh, at the side of, of, of his new kid as well. Mm -hmm. And sort of an, an adventure ensues. They go on a, a family vacation or road trip. And... Yeah. Woody is sort of tasked with keeping a handle on Forky. Forky keeps trying to dive back into the trash. He loves trash, bro. <laughs> trash. Yeah. And and we sort of uh, start the adventure from there. Um, some complications arise, and we get to see a new side of Woody 
and and sort of and fall of his de- development as he becomes an older toy and an aged toy and 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 follow him at a very important important junction in his in his toy life and it got a little bit emotional for me if i'm honest yeah you uh, specifically towards the end yeah so, yeah, yeah, yeah it definitely kind of makes you recall the legacy and like remembering like when you first saw toy story the the original and yeah i think um i got a little emotional as well i think uh, <laughs> i think that just the character woody and and buzz Lightyear, and just just this entire world that they've created is like pixar's best work for me um it's it's such a unique concept where humans are so secondary in the story and i feel like they're a little more like relevant the humans i guess in terms of like their screen time and how you see them as an audience whereas i feel like before they were just like shadowy figures that you don't really know much about yeah um so that's kind of a, a new thing now i don't know if that's just relating to the uh the uh i don't know the newer generation i think so feel I think human they, again i think it works because they've sort of interwoven them into the story a bit more and a lot of the a lot of the emotional elements are still experienced through the toys and a lot of the, the like the the very human stories are experienced through the toys but we have the the humans there as sort of a point of reference and a point of um a point of reference for us and for the for the for the toys but um yeah i liked to actually liked a lot about this one i think it flexes more of of that emotional storytelling and uh and the human storytelling even though we're getting perspectives of uh from of toys they've definitely developed these characters so much and they've Mm-hmm. becomes so much of our our lives at this point it it's very satisfying to see where these characters have have ended up and and i think the stories in this specific in this specific uh sequel have were very satisfying to see bo peep's uh story arc was i think probably the coolest thing i've seen in, in toy story yeah yeah with that skunk rc car <laughs> yeah. i mean i was like holy shit and just the animation is also yeah. amazing too. Like some of the scenes with the humans, I'm like, is this? It, the backgrounds look real. Yeah, they've gotten so they've gotten so much better since the first one. It's getting to the point where it's just like, all right, just make live actions at this point. I mean, it looks so good. Um, but yeah, I I kind of agree. Like this, you you would think by the fourth one we, we'd be getting fatigued for the most part, but I think. If there is any franchise that's staying alive in a world of like sequels and remakes, it's probably this one. I think everyone just loves it. This is like I don't know. I'm trying to I'm trying to like compare it to something. It's like apple pie or for Pixar movies, you know, it's just a staple. And yeah, the the story arcs there's many of them, I think. Yeah. And and yeah. I think they all blend together very nicely. Um, I feel like Buzz Lightyear is a little bit on the back burner in this one, but a little bit, yeah. But, but also, what were you gonna say? Well, yeah, I was actually gonna mention that he was actually one of my favorite uh, in this one. Yeah. yeah, he has that whole 
Because there's a huge theme uh, in this about inner voice and doing what your inner voice tells you to yeah, do. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, Woody tells Buzz that he usually listens to his inner voice when he's deciding what to do. And Buzz is very confused. He's like, he sounded kind of like a sociopath for a second. He was like, what's, what is, what's an inner voice? And then he starts pressing his buttons on his, uh, yeah, on his, uh, on, a, on himself. And it has like the little catchphrases and stuff like that. And it's, it's kind of cute. But it's also it's very clever too. Yeah, it's, it's very clever, and he he's not sure what an inner voice is, and he's trying to figure out what his is, and he's like using the buttons and stuff. And I think a part of me also felt like that was a direct reference to Tim Allen. I don't I don't think it was an accident that because Tim Allen says a lot of crazy shit. I don't know if you've seen him on Twitter, but I think that I haven't. And it's kind of like he doesn't have a an inner voice at, sometimes, but I think. There's no, there's, there's no way that was done like, uh, well, uh, coincidentally. Yeah, I don't, I don't know anything <laughs> about that. I'm curious. So I'll be on his Twitter later. Yeah, he was like blaming millennials for his show getting canceled and stuff, blaming liberals. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> so I think, I think they may have done that on purpose. Cause there's like, there's definitely a lot of, um, there's a few other like social commentary. These goddamn millennials don't like home improvement. <laughs> they don't like to fucking. Improve their homes yeah that's funny but i mean i wasn't saying that's like a bad thing of buzz being put on the back burner i would say though if you're expecting him to be like the partner in crime yeah, he's, he's more of he's more of a sidekick in this he is definitely um, not at the forefront i think woody handles all the responsibility in, in most of the film and and yeah i mean when you when you unpack the movie and you think uh, you gotta applaud this guy who wrote the screenplay because I mean, he's obviously not that experienced. He's only got a few things under his belt. He wrote it like the creator of, of Toy Story. Like the, all the arcs that you have between the dolls and the, and the antique shop and the uh, Bo Peep and even the the Bonnie, the child's story arc combined with Woody's like coming to old age yeah. story, I guess you could call it. Um, it all blends very uh, seamlessly. There's a lot to balance too. Yes, for sure. it. There's no. It's not messy to me, and it all works pretty well. And I'm kind of impressed. I, I really enjoyed it. I know we were just saying we were fatigued on the early segment of the the podcast, but um, I think I think I really enjoyed this one. It wasn't a summer movie that has me fatigued. If if they were all like this, I wouldn't be fatigued. Yeah. Um, we were complaining about a few films recently that have this sort of seem to have like this sort of pseudo feminist agenda, um, yeah. sort of capitalizing on like right. social change and stuff, and, 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 the, and the very tasteless way they do it. Yeah, but this one has like one of the strongest female characters I've seen for all year. Yeah, and it's Little Bo Peep. It's and a it's, toy. <laughs> And it's one of the most satisfying story arcs. No, she's and, great. She's the hero. She's like a badass, and she's so, she's so like honest and strong, and, and just a great character. And it's sort of ironic that you would find this in Little Bo Peep. But, Yet the Avengers will have that like fucking corny scene where the all the girls gang up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like yeah. Captain Marvel. Oh, I'm just a girl. Yeah, little Bo Peep. She's um she's very uh she's a good role model for your for your daughters if you take them to go see this movie. Yeah, for sure. 
Sure. Uh, that that's what we need. These these kinds of role models. Uh, are there any other? So you want to talk about Forky a little bit? Did you enjoy Forky? I, I did like Forky. Forky was. It was interesting because we we also hadn't really seen anything like that before. Yeah. A, a character being created. We, yeah. we saw the beginning, like the beginnings of Buzz as a new toy, but this was a character being created by the child, and he is sort of born into this world and in this universe, and he he only knows that he that he's supposed to be trash, but but then we see Woody sort of attempt to show them show him that he can be more and that he can be. Value. It almost seemed it almost seemed like slavery though for a little bit. I was just like, I was just like accept your master. I was like, dude, he wants to be trash. And when he said freedom, I was like, you know, I kind of want Forky to be free. But then I didn't look at it from that perspective. Uh, yeah. kind of <laughs> well, it's just that I felt bad. I was like, dude, you just threw the guy into this lifestyle, and now he has to. You're forcing him to stay. Well, I'm a just life like, of servitude as a toy. That's yeah. True. But by half the other half of the movie, it turns around for me, and I, you know, I think Forky also sees the light in this new birth that he's had. Yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, Forky's funny. He's a he, he's called Forky. He knows he's a spork, though. He's actually yeah. a spork. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of humor in this too that works pretty well. There's no like big shebang jokes for me. But there's a lot of like subtle, like yeah. like like pretty funny. Yeah, there are a lot of a lot of yeah. jokes. Not uh, not a not a like any like ones that had me dying, but um, yeah, I liked uh, I liked the Key and Peel characters too when they were going over their ideas. That was a good scene. That was a great um, scene. I believe that's in the trailer where they're like attacking an old lady. Yeah, they they sort of yeah they. They take it to a a higher level in this one. They yeah. they tell a bunch. Of, they have a bunch of different plans. Yeah, and it usually involves killing or scaring an old lady, which is kind of funny and, uh, Plus and unusual for for this. I think one <laughs> of the things I wasn't really expecting was was this Gabby Gabby. She's sort of the antagonist or the villain in this, right? And it's definitely the best villain that I've seen in a Toy Story movie. There hasn't really been. Well, there have been several villains, but they haven't been as interesting as or as complex as, as this one has, mm-hmm. which is also sort of ironic because, like in the previous movies, the villains were people. There was Sid, and then there was the, the fat guy, the toy collector from, like, the second one. Right. Who's the villain in the third one? Um, I don't remember too much, but I think it might be Zorg, or I'm not sure. I don't. Was remember. he a toy? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. But I feel like that's gonna bother me. But I think time was the villain in the third. <laughs> but either way, I think Gabby Gabby was a very unexpected surprise. I don't really remember seeing her in the trailer, but I don't really want to give too much of her story arc away either. But I think that she was a really well well made character, and it was a really satisfying antagonist to to see because she was very conflicted, and she leaves you sort of conflicted as as the audience you definitely don't want don't want her to win but you also feel bad for her losing which is a which i think is a very good place to be in you sort of have some stake in her as a character and that was yeah this is you know i think it is a a talent to write stories like this and i think a lot of hollywood could 
take notes because you know I'm, I'm thinking back on just like I mean Woody's the main character, right? We have all these other characters, and they each all have a backstory. Like every one of them has like I could tell you how their lives were prior to the movie. Like uh, Duke Kaboom. Yeah, yeah, Duke yeah. Kaboom. Duke Kaboom, like he has a fucking great backstory. Uh, I mean, the antagonist, she has a backstory. Um, and they all, it, it all makes sense. Bo Peep's, like, backstory, as in the first, like, the, the seven years or nine years mm-hmm. between the two movies or, or something. Uh, that is well told, you know. Um, every, yeah, I feel like every central character it's flushed out. Yeah, and they all sort of align and make sense with where their characters are when we meet them. And then sort of the changes that we experience during the movie and where they end up at the end of the movie, it all makes sense and it's satisfying. And it, it's just refreshing to fucking see, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, I wish, like, I don't It feels weird, but, like, I'm, I didn't want to go see this because of all the remakes and stuff. But, like, I wish I could just not have seen all those. And then seeing this, I feel like the magic would have been even stronger. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think this this movie just deserves to be the only re- like sequel coming out this month. But I'm sure there's going to be like four of them. Probably. Yeah. 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 You want to rate it? Uh, yeah, I think we could rate it. What what uh what are you thinking? Out of five stars, I think uh, I think it's a solid four out of five from me. Um, four out of five. I think I liked it. I liked it a lot, actually. I'm not going to lie. It mm-hmm. it was very, very, very well done. I think that it it was, it got me a little bit emotional at the end. It was a, it's one of, one of my favorite Toy Story movies, actually. I think the first two and then maybe this one. Uh, they're, yeah. They're up there. I think that I want to rewatch it because I accidentally saw it in 3D. So oh, really? I'm gonna have to, yeah, I may, I may check it out again. We'll see. I, I saw, I've been, every time I go to the AMC 34th Street now, I just do the Dolby experience. It's pretty good, like the seats vibrate and shit. Yeah, I don't think Kips Bay has a Dolby experience. Um, I'll check it out, though. Yeah, I go to 34th now because I can take the A train straight there. But, uh, yeah, my experience is very good. The screen looked very good. Um, the Dolby thing is supposed to have better contrast. Um I think it does. It looks pretty good. Uh, yeah, I would give it a four as well. This movie does not feel like it's detached from the rest of the movies. It feels like it just belongs, I guess. And um, it it's a sequel that merits being made. And can't say that about many sequels as of recently. That is true. Um, so it was refreshing, and I think uh, it'd be great, you know, if you have kids, take your kids to go see it. And I don't, I don't know why though. I don't know why kids are just like programmed to be into Pixar movies. Because like, if you ask me, it's like Toy Story Four. I bet. Well, I didn't see the first three, so I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I'm what not is sure what the, it's, what's what's what's? They just like kid shit. It's probably some scientific theory behind the colors and and shit like that. I don't know. And how many parents are like, like, you know, I get a new, like, like if I get a girlfriend, I'm just making sure I'm like <laughs> side eye for my girlfriend across the room. Yeah, I show them movies, right? You know, you show them part one, part two. Do, do people show their kids 
Like Toy Story 1. I know. All right. All right. So, so here's here's the first one, right? All right. You ready for the second one? And they like sit them down and like walk them through this process. Or they just show up in, in the middle of Toy Story 4. Yeah. I think parents are typically looking for some sort of uh, respite. And they're just like, I don't give a fuck what number it is. Just watch it for two hours and shut up. Yeah. That could be true. But I feel like it would just benefit them more if they'd seen the first three. But who knows? If you got kids, let us know how you uh, introduce them to Toy Story. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I think that's about it. Uh, thanks for watching, everyone. Um, this is going to go on YouTube, so check out the podcast uh, we recorded. It's on iTunes and Spotify you can see some of the other movies we watched during the week um, Harvey saw a couple that are in theaters now yeah so check that out for something more relevant than the three year old anime movie that I watched um, yeah thanks for watching and uh, we'll see you guys next time for the next do the right film video yeah see you